listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Welcome back, friends, to Resurrection Life, as well as to a lengthening series on Christian parenting. Let's pick right up where we left off last time. We're considering the homeschool option. On my last podcast, I took up this subject and laid out why I'm a believer, why I think it is such an effective way to advance biblical objectives uh, of Christian parenting. Uh, By the way, if you haven't listened to uh, podcast number 22 uh, called The Homeschool, would you consider doing that first before you listen to this podcast? Everything I say today presupposes that you heard my case for the homeschool last time. Today, however, I want to speak to some of the challenges of homeschooling our kids. Indeed, actually, I want to talk about some of the potential liabilities of a homeschool education. And folks, I do not do so in order to discourage anyone uh, from opting for the homeschool. It's rather my ambition uh, to inform parents who are considering it uh, about what is necessary uh, to do it well. Perhaps, if necessary, I hope to give even a wake-up call to parents who are homeschooling, uh, but who may not be serving their children well in it. Now, uh, as I speak to this subject, I do so with, uh, if I may say so, some pretty intimate and some pretty extensive exposure uh, to homeschooling. I've already said I was raised in a homeschooling family. I've been a homeschool dad. Uh, I've pastored a church for many years now, filled with homeschoolers. And in addition to all that, uh, through the ministry of Greyfriars, uh, Ashley and I have been plugged in uh, to homeschoolers throughout the greater Charlotte area. Uh, If any of the listeners of Resurrection Life are not aware, Greyfriars is a partner ministry of Resurrection. Uh, In the K-8 through program, uh, Greyfriars exists for the sake of homeschooling families to provide resources and support uh, to families who are homeschooling their kids. The high school program is a full academy, uh, but as an academy, it has historically primarily served homeschooling families. So over many years, uh, my wife and I both have seen a a variety of homeschool experiences for children. Uh, Many, many, many Uh, of such experiences, have lived up to everything I said last time about the unique blessings of the homeschool. But folks, uh, others haven't. Uh, And for some of the reasons that I'm going to try to alert you to here today, I have four observations to make about the challenges of doing homeschooling well. And uh, if you'll recall, this is the part uh, that I referred to last time as my Dutch uncle talk. Number one, friends, providing a good home education is hard, and some parents simply lack the discipline and commitment to do it well. Now, I spoke uh, last podcast of all the enthusiastic and motivated moms and dads that I've seen over the years, but here I just want to say that's not all that I've seen. Uh, I've also seen parents who, if I may put it this way, are more committed to home education in theory than in practice. 
Uh, you might say they have uh, a kind of romantic notion of it, but not a very practical devotion to it. Uh, so, uh, for example, uh, some homeschooling parents have read uh, some very inspiring books on the subject. They've acquired lots of convictions about how homeschooling is the best kind of education. Uh, they may have even researched and chosen a great curriculum. They might have even gone so far as to build and furnish a whole schoolroom in the house. But when it comes down to the day-to-day doing of it, they're just not it. Sorry, they're just not that into it. Uh, the schooling doesn't actually happen, or more likely, it doesn't happen enough for their kids uh, to learn as they should. Here's what that looks like practically, folks. Uh, The homeschool that has no set regiment in the day for setting aside concentrated time for instruction. No strategy in the home to ensure that learning objectives are met, and no sacrifice of other things, potentially good, in order to achieve the ends of homeschooling. Um, I've actually suspected at times that in the minds of some homeschoolers, uh, children's learning is just something that happens spontaneously. You just have to create a certain kind of culture, and it will just happen. Uh, There's no structure. There's no discipline. There's no educational benchmarks. No work until a discipline is mastered. And in the worst case scenarios, there's just very little schooling that's actually happening in the home. Now, friends, eventually the evidence for this becomes very painfully obvious. Nine, ten-year-olds who can't yet read, at least read fluently, fourteen-year-olds uh, who don't have the basic facility with addition and multiplication, eleventh uh, graders, I teach eleventh grade grade who can't punctuate a sentence, uh, can't recognize a sentence fragment, can't spell their way out of a paper bag, pardon me. Uh, Folks, I am speaking strongly here, but uh, with this concern, uh, there is, among homeschoolers generally, uh, such success, to be sure, I've already spoken that, such uh, stellar reputation in so many contexts, but as the exceptions, there is that occasional sign that the education in the home is seriously lacking. Here's the reason I'm sounding this alarm. Um, Sometimes homeschooling families cultivate a fairly insular life for themselves. And many of them, I'm convinced, are just clueless about how disadvantaged their children are becoming. They don't know, sometimes until they're way down the road. Uh, just how far their kids have fallen behind uh, educationally. Now, I will pause and say that in some cases, uh, this could uh, be rooted in a straightforward difference of priorities. Uh, Some parents may think that conventional standards of academic education are, well, overrated. Uh, They may want their kids to be able to take over the family business, or perhaps start their own, but they don't care whether they ever know the difference between algebra and geometry, uh, or know a thing about the Iliad or the Odyssey. 
I'll just say, fair enough. Uh, I acknowledge the extent of a child's education is a judgment call, uh, and it's one that God places in parents' hands. I know that many of our Bible history heroes knew nothing of calculus and in some cases are absolutely illiterate. And I do know this also. Uh, Education can become an idol in our culture. Uh, But I want to speak to any such minded families or parents listening just here uh, and make this appeal. Uh, Do we not live in a time when being salt and light in this world, being even leaders, influencers, as the word now comes uh, in the culture, typically requires a basic educational competence. Isn't that the case? Especially in the ability to express the truth clearly and compellingly, whether it's in writing or in speech. I submit that this should be important to all parents, whatever vocation our children are going to pursue. We shouldn't, to be sure, idolize education, but friends, shouldn't we have a high degree as Christians with a sense of calling in our culture, a high view uh, of education? I think most of my hearers will certainly agree with this, and uh, it's not actually differing priorities about education that ultimately is the root. Uh, Parents, as a rule, Christian parents, as a rule, value a good education for the children. But I am pointing out in this first word uh, that some of them uh, are pursuing it half-heartedly. I'm going to have a word for dads uh, in just a minute, but I'm going to start here with a word for moms, uh, moms, homeschooling moms. Uh, Whether or not homeschooling was first your idea or your husband's, uh, I'm aware that in a traditional family structure where the husband is the breadwinner, Uh, the lion's share of the education is going to fall primarily to you. You'll be the teacher in the home. And I just want to say, moms, you need to have no illusions about what this means for you. It means that you're going to need more than a, a kind of fondness for the idea of the homeschool. You're going to have to have a very nitty-gritty, practical commitment It's not enough to just love the idea of having kids at home, the idea of them learning together, maybe with music playing in the background. Uh, You know this. Uh, The reality of home education involves certain things that are quite unappetizing, as any job typically does. And you're going to have to be honest with yourself if you're really committed to doing even those less appetizing uh, elements of the homeschool project. Moms, it means you're going to have to have a great deal of self-discipline to homeschool well, and you're going to have to enforce a great deal of parental discipline, something we've talked about in this series. I'll just say, my sisters in the Lord who are mothers homeschooling, I don't know of another calling requiring more discipline, self-discipline, Uh, than homeschooling. It's actually something quite heroic, and I see that from my front row seat. Uh, There's all the usual threats that afflict all of us in the management of our time. Uh, Moms, you have that, but then you've also got those would-be scholars in your home that are in the least self-disciplined season of their life. The good news is homeschooling doesn't take genius. Uh, The bad news, or maybe just the more sobering 
reality check news, it it does take discipline, self-discipline, which, of course, leads uh, and issues into um, consistent discipline as as a mom of our children. Moms, it also means you're probably not going to be able to have that fully formed, fully developed, and fully pursued hobby or part-time job or what have you that you might otherwise be able to have. For most of us mere mortals, um, parenting more than a couple of kids, homeschooling well is getting pretty close to being a full-time job. So you're going to need to be willing to sacrifice, at least for a season, a lot of other good things if you're going to commit to homeschooling. All this to say under this first heading, my fellow parents and my fellow homeschooling parents, uh, this is not for the faint of heart. If you've committed yourself to this, for all the good reasons that I've hopefully sold you on, if you were needed to be sold, you're going to need to step up in some deeply sacrificial and disciplined ways to do it well. If you don't, your children will, in fact, one day, be conspicuously even undereducated adults. Now, here's the good news. Uh, This is a heart issue, this first heading. This is ultimately a heart issue, and our hearts are in God's hands. The heart, the human heart, is one of the most changeable things on the planet. Uh, For good, in God's hands, he can change our hearts. He can bind them up. If your heart is not in the homeschool venture that you have started out, go to the Lord for that change that you need. He can change your heart. He can give you heart for something that has been hard and unappetizing in at least certain of those respects. Providing a good home education is hard. Some parents simply lack the discipline and commitment to do it well. So that's the first of the challenges of homeschooling that I'm speaking to, and it may come across as my challenging uh, my fellow uh, homeschool parents, uh, rightly so. But let me move on to number two, and that is, starting out similarly, providing a good home education is hard, and even the most motivated parents will need to be realistic about their limitations. Now, I spoke in my last podcast of the excellent teacher-student ratios that are possible in the homeschool, one-on-one instruction, parent-to-child, hard to beat. Uh, But this is where we really ought to acknowledge that there are some built-in inefficiencies in homeschooling as well. So um, every homeschool teacher uh, needing to master multiple subjects for multiple grades. That's got some inefficiencies in it if you compare it to dividing up the labor among multiple teachers and multiple classes. Uh, Not only that, uh, but the reality that for most families, these multiple subjects and multiple grades are typically concurrent with each other because you as a typical Christian uh, family have a, for example, fourth grader, a third grader, a first grader, not to mention the baby. Now, that's a one-room schoolhouse, uh, to be sure, and there's one teacher for all those grades. Now, uh, there are some exceptionally gifted moms and dads uh, who take this in stride. Um, They are themselves exceedingly well-educated. They're versatile in all the academic disciplines, from poetry to algebra, 
And in some cases, they are natural-born educators. Hooray for them. But then there's the rest of us. Uh, The rest of us have average gifts, and these inefficiencies of the homeschool can easily be overwhelming. Indeed, isn't that the chronic condition for homeschooling moms in particular, just, just to feel overwhelmed, especially if they're educating their children even as their family grows in size. Uh, At this point, I just want to assure my fellow homeschool parents, there's nothing wrong with you in feeling these limitations and feeling overwhelmed. This is exceedingly normal. Even the most dedicated and disciplined parent teachers are going to hit the wall sooner or later of their personal limitations Uh, And what I'm seeking to do here is to urge you to be honest about the fact that you will need help. You will need help when you come to the limits of your own resources. Um, I think that is the blindingly obvious uh, observation uh, that homeschooling communities all across the country have come to together, and it explains a phenomenon among homeschoolers. And I'm referring to those methods of networking among homeschoolers that are in so many creative ways devised in order to uh, have families and individuals providing direction and support and accountability and encouragement uh, to each other. I spoke last time about my parents beginning homeschooling back in the very early 80s. Uh, and I remember this from their own experience. They were, they were um, aggressive in arranging for uh, special classes and tutorial services for their kids where the subjects were out of their own reach uh, as um, those with the gifts and the skill sets that they had. Uh, nowadays, oh my, uh, there's some very sophisticated uh, homeschool co-op ventures, and they're all uh, founded on this uh, realization that each family does have, each parent has uh, their own limitations. Uh, in some cases, the, um, the degree of cooperation becomes so extensive that the education is almost no longer a form of homeschooling. It's more like home-directed schooling, uh, especially in the advancing years of of school. Uh, So I've mentioned Greyfriars, and um, Resurrection folks know this. Greyfriars Classical Tutorials uh, got its start uh, among motivated homeschoolers who were recognizing their own limitations. Uh, They they recognized that they needed help, Um, a little bit of division of labor, with the various subjects that need to be covered. Uh, They needed help being held accountable for accomplishing their educational objectives. They needed that intangible but critical um, encouragement and fellowship, not only for themselves, uh, but for their kids as they came together. Um, That was uh, the genesis of Greyfriars Classical Tutorials, the high school at Greyfriars, which is a full academy, was primarily started as an offering to homeschool families who were approaching the high school years and, well, I'll say again, they were hitting the wall of their own 
inherent limitations, especially as families with not just high schoolers, but children in the lower grades as well. The subjects were becoming too advanced uh, for mom or dad to teach. Uh, Those teenage students were not succeeding in what amounted to self-directed study more and more. And the full-orbed education that's that requires um, resources in high school beyond what a typical home could provide. All that was in the genesis of Greyfriars Classical Academy. Homeschool parents, if I'm speaking to you in this podcast, uh, if you haven't already, uh, you will reach the limits of your own resources doing the noble work of homeschooling. And I'm just encouraging you to be watchful of when and how that's happening for you. Be humble enough to recognize that and get the help that you need. And now I want to say something to dads. So dads, homeschool dads, when homeschooling or whether homeschooling was your idea or your wife's idea, either case, dads, the education of your children is ultimately your responsibility. You're the one who needs to ensure that your home, specifically your wife, has the resources that are needed. Now, dads, that is a far more active and supportive role than many so-called homeschooling dads have. Indeed, I think in some cases, dads think their job is simply to point out their wife's shortcomings uh, in the hard work of homeschooling, like the guy who's sitting back watching the painter and just occasionally volunteering, hey, I think you missed a spot. I have actually encountered once or twice uh, the homeschooling mom who's wholly committed with a dad in the picture uh, whose primary role is to cast doubt on her ability to do it well. And my heart breaks for moms who labor under that kind of criticism or skepticism instead of the support they need from their husbands, from the father of their children. So dads... If yours is a homeschooling family, here's what that calls for in you. Full-bore involvement in ensuring the success of your homeschool. Dads, that means you're fully acquainted with the challenges your wife is facing. And you are strategizing with her and supporting her in the solutions to those challenges. So, for example, you're helping your wife from time to time think about how in the changing uh, dynamics of your home, she can schedule the time of each school day to take advantage of the nap time for the baby or what have you. You're strategizing with her about the scheduling of time. Uh, You are ensuring that she has the needed academic resources to succeed. And there are many of them, uh, not only in terms of curriculum, but what I've just been referencing. Is there a local co-op program that your wife needs to have some part with in order uh, to succeed in the homeschool. Dads, it means you're taking on yourself, potentially, those school subjects that are more your strength than hers, or you're ensuring that someone else with gifts in that area uh, is able to assist in the teaching of your children. Uh, Dads, it might even mean devoting part of your day off. Yikes to doing the house cleaning uh, because uh, that which your wife is strapped into 
um, managing a household and homeschooling her children is uh, more than she can do. Um, In it all, dads, uh, you're using your influence with your children in such a way that they remain responsive to their mother's leadership. The kids are responsive to her leadership at homeschool because they see you standing behind her. Your authority is being uh, wielded for their good and for the uh, support of your wife, who's their teacher mom. These are words for dads. Uh, Parents, particularly in these early years, homeschooling is something that the average Christian couple is capable of doing and doing well. You need to hear me say this. It really is. Nothing I've said should lead you to suspect otherwise, but it's going to require a commitment from both parents, deep investment from both mom and dad. It's a job for couples, even if mom is the primary daily instructor. So providing a good home education is hard, and even the most motivated parents will need to be realistic about their limitations. Now, my next couple of points are going to be made in light of things that I said last time about the strengths of homeschooling. Uh, And they are the other side of the coin, if you will. Um, They're the rest of the story. So number three, I'll put this way. Friends, parental influence should be primary in our children's lives. I spoke of that last time. But our children also need to be trained to engage effectively with their peers. Now, as I remember best I can, uh, those early debates over homeschooling when it was quite a novelty back in the 80s, the 1900s, uh, the big concern that I kept hearing about as a homeschooled kid was healthy socialization. Uh, The concern was that kids who don't grow up with their peers will not attain the proper kind of socialization. I remember the various child psychologists who opined on this during the early days of the homeschool movement. Now, as homeschoolers were quick to point out, that argument works both ways. Uh, Socialization, quote-unquote, of a certain kind is exactly the problem in many educational settings. We are hearing of it today endlessly. Things like gender dysphoria and depression and self-harm. And so much of this is a kind of socialization that our kids need to be spared of. I spoke of that last time. But parents, please, let's not entirely brush off this concern for quote-unquote socialization. Here's why I want to submit that there is a potential weakness in the homeschool in just this area. If, in fact, our children grow up without adequate interaction with a broad range of peers, then folks, they can, in fact, grow up without the social skills that they need to engage effectively their peers. I have seen this happen. Now, I love, I said this last time, how the homeschool setting tends to put a premium on adult-child 
engagement. Kids are engaging with their adult parents, after all, for a great deal of the time in the homeschool. This is a strength, as I've argued, and it aids us as parents in preserving the primacy of our parental influence. One of the things this can do is it can make for kids who are very impressive to adults because homeschool kids are very accustomed to interacting with adults. They look them in the eye, they engage in conversation, and so on. I've seen this many, many times, but here's where I would submit to you that in this area, like so many others, a strength can become a weakness. Uh, If this familiarity with engaging with adults leaves our kids uh, ill at ease or awkward with their peers, if they can't enjoy the dynamics of the church youth group or other gatherings of young people, if their preference actually becomes to be with adults rather than with others their age, then I submit this is a strength that's become a weakness. I think some homeschooling parents are inclined to just chalk this up to having, well, very mature kids. The other kids around them are less mature. Their kids are very mature. And uh, since everybody's going to be adults one day, it'll all work out. But I want to press a bit on this. Parents, uh, your kids really do need a certain amount of presence and influence of peers in their developing years. You know why? Uh, Because you should be seeking to train them for a whole life of engaging their peers. That's what you want for them. They, you want for them to be respected and influential in the lives of their peers. Again, as Christians who are called to be salt and light. And if your children are not learning that on your watch, how to engage their peers, then they're starting adult life at a disadvantage. You, you've not led them in one of the most important life skills for a Christian being able to engage their peers. This is that iron, sorry, iron sharpening iron that the book of Proverbs talks about so famously. It's, it's the influence that we all need uh, from our peers to knock the rough edges off of our personalities, indeed our character. Uh, it's the kind of influence that leads to greater effectiveness in our personal engagements with them. So, There's all kinds of things that can develop without a proper and wholesome kind of socialization, if I may use the word, or exposure to a peer group. Um, Just as a maybe not particularly weighty illustration, you need a group, you need uh, interaction with peers in order to, to know what a good sense of humor looks like. You need that kind of social feedback to refine your ability to have a good sense of humor that uh, is a pleasure and a delight to those around you. Uh, You need peers in order to have a healthy sense of what's generally acceptable and normal behavior, Uh, lest you grow into a role um, of social um, low intelligence. Is that what is relational low intelligence? I think is the term. Uh, I have seen that in some cases, again, these are the exceptions to the rule, but I've seen that in some cases, homeschooled kids, without an adequate amount of peer interaction, can actually come to have an overly inflated view of themselves. Uh, Because, well, they're the top of their class, uh, and they don't have a whole lot to compare themselves to. I'm sure you parents know If you have teenagers or remember your teenage years, uh, young people at that age 
have a craving for peer interaction. And here's the thing, parents, if you don't provide for that in wholesome ways in the life of your maturing children, your kids nowadays especially uh, just might find it in other ways. For example, online and in some of the worst possible forms. Guys, that's a thing. Uh, All kinds of teenagers uh, getting into trouble online, looking for peer interaction in some of the worst possible ways, and among them, um, homeschool kids who have way too little actual face-to-face peer relationships. That's a bit of an irony, it seems to me, especially if parents have been seeking to shelter their children from peer influence uh, in the front door and are naively allowing that in the back door of their homes uh, through the internet. So what's to be done? Well, this is where I'm wanting to make my um, friendly appeal. If you're homeschooling in order to spare your child unwholesome peer influence, I've already said good on you last podcast. But parents, make sure that there are other contexts where you can find the more wholesome kind of peer influence. That's a good argument for being part of cooperative homeschool ventures, where they have at least some time during each week when they are interacting with their peers. This certainly, certainly makes the life of the church all the more important if you're a homeschool family. Full bore involvement in church becomes all the more important. And many homeschool families have found this utterly intuitive. It calls for all kinds of other creativity and seeking wholesome opportunities for peer involvement, whether it's choir or sports or clubs or debate teams or the rest. There's so many ways to secure this as homeschooling families. And again, I think the benefits of doing so are intuitive uh, to most homeschooling families. I'll just add uh, to this third point, the suggestion that this is an especially urgent issue for our young men. Brothers and sisters, they are the ones especially in need of this rough and tumble of peer influence in their own character development. Last time I made much of the fact that I wanted my wife to have a formative influence on our young children. That was a key reason for launching uh, their education right here at our home. But now let me say, neither Ashley nor I, wanted for her to be the exclusive influence in the advancing years of our children, uh, especially as those boys were becoming young men. We wanted them to be benefiting from learning among other young men, their peers, and also, as much as possible, we wanted for them to have the benefit of being instructed by godly men. This little addendum about the need for our young men, especially to have influences uh, outside of our own homes as they enter into adolescence. Well, that may be something I return to uh, a little later in this series. So my third challenge of homeschooling is this. Parental influence should be primary in our children's lives, but they also need to be trained to engage effectively with their peers. Number four, and the last of my points for this podcast, parental influence should be primary in our children's lives, but 
They also need to be taught how to respond to worldly influences. So friends, for all that I've said in support of the parental instinct to shelter our children from worldly influences, I want to say now that the instinct to shelter our children can go too far. And I think it has with some homeschoolers. So instead of parental influence being kept primary, something that I argued for, uh, in some cases, parental influence becomes exclusive, or at least practically so. There is, in other words, an unhealthy amount of restriction on all influence apart from the influence of mom and dad. And I think that this is, well, you might call it a a good protective parental impulse uh, gone mutant. <laughs> Um, uh, very seriously, uh, this impulse could actually, uh, and has a time or two, uh, in my observation, put homeschoolers even at arm's length from their churches. Again, this is rare in my experience, but it is something I've, uh, seen, um, over the years at Resurrection, we've had visitors, particularly in the early years uh, when I came, uh, who made no. They were looking for something called a family integrated church. Uh, that's the expression they used. And uh, early in my ministry, I came to realize uh, that that basically boiled down to I want my kids with me at all times. Now, uh, our church is pretty friendly to that perspective, uh, in as much as, as I've already explained in the series. Our worship services at Resurrection are, I now know the term, family-integrated events. Uh, We have our kids right there in the pew with us as we renew our covenant with God Sunday morning, Sunday evening. But folks, we've always had also nursery, Sunday school, youth group, various other opportunities for kids, fellowship where uh, just kids under some capable leadership. And in all of those kinds of situations, Kids in the church are exposed to influence other than their parents. Now, I've talked about how strong a position that is uh, for Christian parents to have other Christian parents, other godly men and women in their church who are also an influence on their children. I've already talked about that. But here's the point I want to make now. Uh, Parents, even when the perspective your children are receiving in a church uh, where there is diversity, isn't exactly your own perspective. I want to encourage homeschooling parents uh, to realize this is a powerful teaching opportunity for you. It's some of the best teaching opportunities, especially as your children uh, get older. So parents, when your children are young, that is the time to actually do the securing of that primacy of your influence. But can we agree that as they get older, your opportunity and your responsibility uh, is to steady them with the influence that you do have as you allow them. Exposure to more and more influences outside the home. Isn't that the test, in fact, of our Christian parenting? It's not that our children never come under the influence of anyone but us, but that under our influence, they become adept at assessing other influences in their lives, and in some cases resisting them, or in other cases making good use of them, adopting them. I'll even say this, to a degree, even exposure to worldly influences 
on our children can be leveraged for good in their upbringing. Uh, when parents are wise, uh, proactive. Um, I remember a conversation that I had years ago uh, with a homeschool dad. Uh, and this conversation was about the merits of a Christian academy model of education for the high school years. Uh, it was in connection with Greyfriars Classic Academy and its um, beginnings. This dad's primary pushback to my case for a Christian academy in high school was that there was the potential for exposure uh, to a certain amount of worldliness uh, that his kids wouldn't otherwise have in a home school. Now, friends, I couldn't deny that to this dad. I couldn't deny that being part of a, a setting where children are uh, high schoolers, in this case, are gathered into a, a, a Christian academy learning community, that they'd be exposed to any number of sinful things, even the lives of professing Christian teenagers. Uh, they'd be exposed very, very, very likely to young people with a low opinion of their parents or young people with a low esteem for themselves. They could be exposed to classmates with bad language. Uh, or bad habits on their devices, or all kinds of confusion uh, that is more contemporary with regard to gender, sexual orientation. Uh, Even in the best of Christian schools, there's the potential for exposure to any and all of these things. But here was my question to my friend and my fellow homeschool dad. Isn't exposure to all these things, in fact, coming for our kids as they enter young adulthood. Isn't it inevitable? And why, as a dad, wouldn't you want that exposure to begin, as I put it, on your watch? In other words, when you have a close and influential relationship with your son or daughter, why wouldn't you want that exposure at least to begin on your watch? rather than what I think does happen in many cases, uh, begin all at once when kids land somewhere in a college dorm out of state and a long way from mom and dad. Guys, I, I can't begin to count the number of important conversations I've had with my children, young adult children, as a result of some encounter they've had with worldliness, to name it broadly. Um, And um, those conversations presented uh, golden opportunities in parenting. Uh, Zeal to shield children from the world's influence uh, sometimes, friends, uh, can be uh, rooted in a mistaken notion that the only source of evil that could lead to our children's downfall is out there somewhere. Well, it is out there, but it is also in our children's hearts as well, just like it is in ours as sinners. So what I'm trying to do here is um, in parallel with what I said in my last podcast, everything I said then about sheltering children as one of the reasons for homeschooling was also with this point uh, in mind. At some point, that good and wholesome shelter of the home will of necessity come to an end. And our kids are best prepared for that end of the shelter by being introduced to the world on our watch. takes a great deal of wisdom uh, on the part of parents to do that, but that is, parents, 
our job. So don't let sheltering children from the world be the sum and substance of your reason for homeschooling. We are eventually, as our children reach maturity, we are certainly seeking to prepare our children to be in the world and to wield their influence there. Well, my friends, these are what I consider to be the chief challenges of homeschooling. And I'm going to wrap up these comments by emphasizing something. This is what I want to emphasize. Each of these challenges, my friends, can be overcome by the committed homeschooling family. I've seen it done countless times, and I'm happy to report it is the norm in my experience to see it done. Parents, by God's grace, overcoming their distaste for the hard parts of homeschooling. Parents who account for their own limitations by networking with other parents and seeking help where they have those limitations. Parents who provide their children with abundant opportunities for wholesome peer interaction. And parents who walk with their children into greater and greater exposure to the world under their oversight, thus uh, readying them for the world. I have seen it, and I assure you it can be done. The challenges of homeschooling can be done. In this podcast, though, I've been trying to alert you to the challenges that will, in fact, need to be overcome in order to homeschool well, or the homeschool will in certain ways actually undermine our, our objectives as Christian parents. Uh, to uh, anyone who's listening to me here locally, here in Charlotte, and particularly to my church family uh, at Resurrection, it should be obvious by now that this perspective that I've been articulating on the strengths and the weaknesses of the homeschool has everything to do with the shape of what we've built at Greyfriars. So in the early years, the Greyfriars model puts a premium on children in home under parental instruction. K-5 through program involves a one day a week uh, of training and instruction under uh, additional teachers with time with peers one day a week, K-5. through By sixth grade, though, kids are entering into what we call the logic stage. Kids are then out of the home two days a week. Parents are needing more help with some of those advancing subjects. Kids are benefiting from more peer interaction. And then for the high school, as I've said, The young adults are together in class for three days a week. Teachers are the ones doing the heavy lifting now for the advanced subjects. Students are benefiting from the fuller, larger learning community, and the culture of the home is still very influential in their lives. Two of the five school days are still spent there in the home. This is by no means the only way to skin the cat, pardon the expression, Uh, but it's been our attempt at Greyfriars Uh, to gain all the benefits of the homeschool while offsetting some of the potential liabilities. I'll just go ahead and say it if it hasn't become very obvious by now. I think, friends, that the strengths of the homeschool are greatest in the early years. I think the liabilities of the homeschool begin to be felt most in the later years. And uh, that's not unique to me as an insight. I think that's actually the intuition of the vast number of dedicated homeschoolers themselves. Well, so much more could be said on this worthy topic 
of the homeschool and so much more has in fact been said but that will suffice as my own comments brothers and sisters we'll move on next time to other things but I'll leave you for now with this encouragement Christ is risen the Lord keep you in his grace you've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.